Welcome to the Get Prepared Podcast, where we teach you how to future-proof your skills and become a lifelong learner. Welcome to the Get Prepared Podcast. I'm here with Dan Demers, the CEO and co-founder of Cinchi, the global leader in enterprise data collaboration. Dan has spent over a decade as an IT executive with leading global financial institutions, where he was responsible for delivering mission-critical projects, greenfield technologies, and multi-million dollar technology investments. In 2019, he's joined the Canadian Council of Innovators which is a select group of CEOs from Canada's most successful technology companies who work with public policy leaders to optimize the growth of Canada's innovation-based sectors. We're honored to have you, Dan. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Dan, can you tell us a bit about what you do as a company and your customers? Sure. Well, the word cinchy is actually a play on the word cinch, which means simple. And that's really what we do. We create technology that simplifies and removes the results of uh, really decades of incremental uh, technology that has done nothing but complicate uh, the way that we run our businesses. And as strange as that sounds, that's actually kind of a very unique value proposition. So I don't know know if you feel the same way as I, but for decades, it just feels like uh, new technology has made everything, both personally and professionally, more complicated and more expensive. And, And really, our mission is to reverse that trend. And we've started with the enterprise, and our technology platform is already helping large organizations to simplify how they deliver new technology for their employees as well as for their customers. That's amazing. And and you're absolutely right. You know, the, the last, I would say, five years with the whole big data movement and then predictive analytics, machine learning, AI, um, and organizations now talking about digital transformation and digitalization, um, it's definitely an essential service and, and uh, tool that you guys are providing. One of your taglines on that note is the end of applications. Can you explain what that means? Sure. Uh, Well, for 40 years, we've lived in what I would describe as an app-centric world, an app for everything, they say, and apps tend to be added more frequently than they go away. Uh, And and really, one of the things that I've realized just in my experience uh, kind of working in a bunch of big companies uh, is these apps and the way that they are architected is actually the root cause on why everything has become so complicated. So today... Every large company in the world requires hundreds, sometimes even thousands. And I've been at one company that had north of 10,000 applications just to run their business. And the options for these organizations as they look to uh, add new capabilities, as to rationalize their infrastructure, as to digitize paper-based processes, et cetera, uh, to basically improve the capabilities for both their employees and customers are limited to either buying or building yet another app. Uh, And these apps cause data silos. They limit how uh, these organizations can use their own data, even beyond the accessibility challenge. And I think perhaps most concerning is that they prevent organizations from properly protecting sensitive data that truly belongs to their employees and their customers. Uh, So data collaboration is, is a new paradigm that introduces a radical alternative to this classic buy versus build approach. And our technology platform is bringing that to the enterprise and making it really simple to get started uh, and uh, starting to 
untangle the decades of complexity that's built up as a result of, of these applications. Thank you for that overview. Uh, you know, I always like to trace back to, you know, the, the initial trigger or the push that caused you to start this company. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and where and when did Cinchi start and, you know, why you felt the need to um, create this and solve this massive problem? Yep. Uh, well, it goes back to uh, before, uh, well, well before Cinchi. I used to work in a bunch of big global banks, and there was uh, I actually spent uh, almost a decade at uh, what was the largest financial institution in the world that had uh, grown through mergers and acquisitions, which meant that they had a whole lot of uh, redundancy on their IT systems. Uh, and my role, I was I was quite fortunate because usually when you work in a big financial institution, you're uh, working on a legacy system to add in incremental capabilities. Uh, but I, I think just through uh, dumb luck, stumbled into um, a role where I was tasked with building net new systems that uh, were intended to then replace the many redundant systems. Uh, and I, I was quite fortunate in having the opportunity to do that many times over. So I was uh, actually working in capital markets technology, building everything from uh, front office uh, uh, trade ticketing systems to back office stock record systems and everything in between. These are complicated systems uh, solving for very different business requirements. And in doing that, it gave me, uh, I guess, the realization that building these systems is incredibly painful, incredibly slow. And in spite of uh, having total control, I was always the first member of a team. I would uh, have uh, the ability to select technologies, uh, design the architecture, uh, build up the team. Uh, and in spite of attempting to really maximize reuse, I still found that uh, I, the amount of work that would go into these applications, uh, I could barely make a dent in it because the bulk of the work was to build technology capability. Uh, so really had the realization that working in a financial institution, the bulk of their IT workforce is not building financial technology or building technology technology to then enable financial technology. Uh, so it's kind of like me as a, as a CEO of a technology company, if the bulk of my uh, employees were building things that had nothing to do with a technology platform, that would be incredibly concerning. Uh, so I really just saw a huge opportunity to identify those cross-cutting concerns that need to be rebuilt over and over again and solve that once and for all. Uh, there's a kind of a similar story that, that uh, if we go back quite a, quite a while ago, uh, manufacturing plants used to have to generate their own power in order to power the plant. Uh, and then one day came along the concept of a central power utility and now you can run a plant without needing to generate power. Uh, you can plug into the grid. Uh, so in many ways, that's kind of a source of inspiration for, for what we're doing. And in our case, the equivalent of power is, is data. That's, uh, that's truly inspiring, you know, the journey that you've gone through. Um, I, I recall two years ago when, I, when we connected at uh, the FinTech Summit at BDC and you guys had just completed your, your seed rounds. Um, and, you know, in that period from going from seeds to now, you know, having a, a, your second round of financing, what has been your approach to talent and team development, you know, from you and your co-founder to the team that you have now, what's that journey been like? 
Uh, it's been a blast. Uh, one of the other things that I was, again, fortunate in my past uh, life working in big companies is I had the opportunity to uh, hire a lot of people and, quite frankly, made a ton of mistakes. Uh, and uh, really applying those lessons uh, in this context, uh, I think, is just really powerful to, to have those insights that uh, uh, I honestly think could only have been made by making such mistakes. <laughs> so one of the things that I've really come to appreciate uh, through that experience that I'm, I'm trying to um, employ en masse uh, at Sinchi is to really find people who are passionate uh, about something and change the environment to enable their passion. Uh, so often people may interview for a particular role through the conversation. It turns out that perhaps their interest is actually elsewhere. Uh, and I think by enabling them to to align their day-to-day -to, -day to what they're actually love doing uh, means that uh, we will be a high-performing company as a result of that with a high degree of retention. And I think that's just critically important. I've, I've seen so many times over where people do a job because it's a job, not because they love it. And uh, the more you can minimize that, uh, the more uh, productive, happy, healthy uh, the workforce will be. Absolutely. And it's, it's that cross-section between, you know, passion, profit, and, and progress within an organization, for sure. Mm -hmm. At the beginning, though, did you, you know, did you start with a couple of key employees, mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, did you take a lot of credit and, and hire a few people? How was that pro process? And then now, right. today, how many employees do you guys have now? And, yeah. you know, going from, you know being really lean and meaningful about your hiring decisions to, you know, yeah. having the budget to be able to hire. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, it was definitely tricky in the early days, uh, pre-funding, uh, when it was uh, just uh, really a couple of couple of people uh, working pretty much nonstop. Um, and uh, our initial hires were actually, so we were actually at the uh, DMZ, uh, we had uh, been selected for an accelerator program and started off with really just uh, two of us. And uh, from there, brought on a couple of uh, really smart uh, co-ops. Uh, and uh, so our, our first real employees weren't permanent employees, they were, they were co-ops. Uh, and from there, uh, uh, with that very small focused team, uh, using that to land our, our first enterprise customers, get some real revenue coming in the door, uh, which gave us the validation that was needed in order to secure the funding. Uh, and then obviously funding simplifies that problem. Uh, and the challenge then moved from, okay, so we have money, we can hire people, uh, but who wants to work at a company no one's ever heard of? Uh, so that was our initial challenge. So before there was uh, kind of awareness of what, what it is that we're up to, uh, and, uh, you know, as our story was in kind of the earlier stages of, of, of its iterations, uh, that was our, our short-term challenge was how to really attract uh, top talent to want to work in such a tiny company. Uh, and the one thing that, uh, and, and that was new for me because I've never worked in a small company before. I was working in a big company that had an established brand and uh, I would focus more on the role and enabling them to be successful versus the broader vision of the company. Uh, so I had to really adapt to... Uh, the, uh, you know, selling that vision and, and using that to kind of filter and excite because, uh, uh, you know, once people buy into that vision, uh, then they're all in and other things uh, kind of fade in the background in terms of uh, importance. Uh, 
Uh, not that things like comp are not important, uh, but they're far less important overall than uh, actually being interested and engaged in what it is that we're ultimately trying to do as a team. Uh, so from there, it was really a, a mix of uh, uh, continuing to uh, bring co-ops in as kind of our uh, proving ground uh, with full intent of turning those into full-time employees over time. Mm -hmm. And we've had a couple of conversions already uh, since then uh, to hiring se uh, senior seasoned uh, folks, uh, sometimes through recruiters, uh, sometimes through word of mouth. Uh, and then I had, um, uh, I forget the exact timing of it, but there was a, a moment where suddenly we were being targeted by potential employees instead of us having to go out and find. Not that we don't go out and search, uh, but as there was more awareness, uh, I was frankly in awe that people were coming to us uh, based on our vision or based on word of mouth. And I'd say most uh, employees that join us today really came to us uh, and demonstrated their passion and uh, interest and engagement in what we're trying to solve as an organization, uh, which I think is just incredible. I, lo I love it. Uh, so today we're at 27 employees. Uh, most of us are here in Toronto. Uh, we have uh, one out in Ottawa uh, and we're continuing to grow and scale the team. Uh, so it's been quite a fascinating journey to go from just uh, you know, a couple of folks to 27 and this is just the start. That's a that's fantastic and truly inspiring for for a lot of our listeners who you know are going through that early preliminary stages of identifying a problem or validating um, the solution that they've come up with. Yep. On the on the note of validation, at at what point did you know you had something real, and what was your approach to Cinchi's uh, market validation? Right, I think for for both uh, Clara and my co-founder and I. Uh, we already knew that uh, the platform made sense because we were building it for ourselves. Uh, so we were literally just kind of replaying our past and saying, what was the missing technology that would have changed everything? And we created that technology. Uh, so we kind of already had a sense. I think the early stage challenge was convincing others of that reality. Because uh, in many ways, what we, what we promise sounds impossible, frankly. Uh, as does really any new category that gets created. It always sounds like a really wacky idea. Uh, so the, the first challenge there was around the messaging and positioning where we had a very bold uh, vision uh, that uh, frankly just didn't seem believable, it, regardless if it was demonstrable, it didn't have the social proof behind it. Uh, so what we had to do was really, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, kind of water down and lighten up the messaging uh, and, uh, you know, rather than talking about the end of applications and this new paradigm of data collaboration and the creation of a data network and all these things that we now talk about, we talked about it is a way of eliminating desktop uh, uh, spreadsheets, which have uh, inherent operational risk. Uh, and that's how we secured our, our first enterprise customers and then have really grown from there. But really what we we're now finding is that as we have more social proof, as we have more customers and those customers are deploying it into production, saving many millions of dollars, is we can kind of get back to the original vision, uh, which now gives us, uh, what we find is that it actually accelerates our, our sales. Uh, and in terms of the validation, so outside of the fact that we knew it, uh, the, uh, obviously the, the proof is in how the customers uh, experience it. Uh, and uh, I think right from the, from the start, uh, what I would say the journey is, is our biggest skeptics become our biggest advocates to the point where we now kind of call that out at, out of the gate. Uh, and uh, there's nothing that's more rewarding than having uh, a customer have that strong advocacy 
and be your internal champion for for your technology. So for, for me, that was that point of kind of that independent validation is when our first customers started to get really passionate about what our technology was was able to do for their organizations and starting to spread the adoption within their companies. And that started That's pretty well. Yeah, there's nothing better than having your customers become your champions, is there? Mm-hmm. No, not at all. Um, then can you, can you quickly describe Sinchi's uh, business model? How big is this opportunity that you guys, I know you mentioned you're, you know, you're starting a new category, but you know, how big is the opportunity um, sure. from the research that you've done? And, and talk to us about the business model that you guys have structured. Yeah. So in terms of opportunities, so today we're targeting enterprise organizations. Uh, we started focusing on financial services, just given our background. Uh, we've started to expand beyond that, but we still have pretty strong roots in in uh, uh, financial uh, services. Uh, so, But our technology is applicable to every sector in every region of the world, uh, quite frankly, and not limited to enterprise organizations. So one of the things that I think was, um, we actually struggled with this decision early on, but I think on, you know, looking back, it was actually a really good decision, uh, is we started off as our first customer. Uh, so we were using our own platform to build our own company, uh, to eat our own dog food and, and live our own, you know, experience the pains and joys that our customers would. Uh, so in, in many ways, we were building it for ourselves first and the customer second. Uh, and the advantage of that is while we're building it for enterprise customers, we were not an enterprise organization. We did not have 100,000 employees. We did not have hundreds of years of history. We did not have thousands of legacy systems. Uh, so we were a, you know, a tiny company growing into a scaling startup. And hey, eventually we will become large. Uh, but, uh, and, and our platform will help us throughout that entire journey. So what that means, though, is that our technology can work for a a company of two people, a company of 27 people, and a company of 100,000 people plus, uh, which is uh, pretty much the range of every company in the world uh, across all sectors. And because we're starting in financial services, it's highly regulated. What that means is the the capabilities of the platform and its unique ability to properly protect data uh, is going to be, what I would say, battle-tested in a sector that has... Uh, a lot of uh, rules to, to enforce those level of protections. Uh, and those those capabilities would be of interest to every sector. Uh, so by when we say eliminating the need to buy and build new applications, we're talking about all applications for all companies in the world. Uh, now, that's what I would call our, our stage one. Down the road, uh, what we're then going to do is, uh, as companies build out their internal secure private data networks, enable those networks to be interconnected to create, uh, kind of think of it conceptually as a data internet, uh, which opens up kind of a whole new business model. Uh, but even the first stage that we're in now, which we're hyper-focused on, is massive. We're talking about the, the end of applications. Uh, so frankly, in the, with the world of technology, there is no bigger opportunity. Uh, so turning that into a, a dollar amount, it would be in the many hundreds of, of billions. But uh, it's not only sa- saving companies from having to buy or build the uh, software, but it's their in- own internal IT costs in using and configuring and integrating. So at scale, our technology eliminates integration. It eliminates uh, all the byproducts of this complexity and this kind of backward approach where data is subservient to the application. So long answer for it's big. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, talking about 
the business model itself. Yeah. Um, you know, how are you guys structured at this point? Is it kind of a SaaS fee, professional services plus SaaS? You know, right. what is that structure? Yeah. So this is something that we really struggled with optimizing, uh, you know, trying to keep it all simple. Uh, so where we've landed is, first of all, our platform can run anywhere a customer wants. We don't want access to our customers' data. So they have the ability to run it on a private cloud, on-prem. They can do GCP, AWS, Azure. It's up to them. Uh, and because they're paying the infrastructure cost, we don't want to charge accordingly. So it's unlimited users, unlimited data, unlimited solutions the only thing that we charge for is an annual subscription for what we call a builder. Uh, so in our platform, there's really two kinds of users. There's users and then there's builders. Uh, users use what builders create and builders need an annual subscription in order to build. So that's really what we sell. Uh, now we do offer complementary services uh, to help our customers get up to speed and, and frankly facilitate the unlearning that is often required. Uh, but uh, we really are enabling our customers to use our technology themselves to solve their own unique business challenges versus being dependent upon us. So those services are really to, to help our customers internalize uh, their their own delivery capabilities using this new new approach. That's fantastic. Um, and I think, you know, the more you simplify it just because of the nature of what you're doing, um, I think simple first is often uh, the best approach, especially with enterprise. So, um, you guys have, in my opinion, at least, uh, you've selected the right approach to move forward. Um, in terms of your overall go-to market, um, talk to me about that. How is the world of enterprise finding you guys and, and understanding, uh, more about data collaboration as a platform? Right. Uh, so I would say up until fairly recently, uh, we've been in, I wouldn't call it kind of official stealth, but we've been in soft launch, meaning we haven't done any actual marketing uh, outside of the odd, uh, you know, pitch contest or, or other things. It's been largely kind of targeted outreach uh, and mostly kind of word of mouth, both inside of our customers as well as uh, cross organizations. Uh, now we have obviously changed that. Uh, so we're starting uh, to make the world know that we exist. Uh, so our kind of coming out party was uh, here in Toronto at uh, Collision, which was uh, great. We had a really good reception, a uh, very busy booth, generated uh, uh, many hundreds of high quality leads. Uh, and uh, our approach, though, because we're introducing a new paradigm, we're not we're not introducing a better this or a better that. It's a radically different approach, which frankly is scary, especially to big organizations, especially to highly regulated organizations that that are naturally uh, risk adverse. Uh, so if you look back, though, at other kind of uh, category creators, uh, so organizations like Salesforce introducing the SaaS model and Amazon introducing uh, the concept of cloud computing and uh, infrastructure as a service, uh, these were kind of radical ideas that um, uh, were quite controversial. And their approach to marketing, which was successful for them, was not to market their specific offering because their offering was totally unique. It was to market the paradigm. And that's really what we're doing is we're educating the world on the power of applying data collaboration uh, as an alternative to buying and building applications. Uh, and it's not just about our company. There is an emerging ecosystem here. Uh, this, is the, this is the next big shift. This will change quite a bit of things. And a lot of other companies 
be them service companies or technology companies, are going to really thrive in the post-app uh, era. So that's really what our, our approach is. And uh, from a go-to-market, continuing to focus on uh, enterprise for, for the time being uh, down the road, uh, also expanding and uh, you know, uh, going into SMB and, frankly, eventually going all the way to individual people. Uh, because you as an individual person have data that is important to you, that is sensitive, uh, but you do not have any idea who has access to that data. Uh, and you provide copies of that data, you don't provide access, which is the fundamental flaw in the conventional approach. And that's how organizations like Facebook and others are able to even exist, is by taking advantage of that void, that missing technology that we're, we're creating. Now, are, are partnerships part of your your strategy as well when we talk about yeah. go-to-market and, and, you know, increasing awareness uh, and moving from stealth um, to, you know, letting people know about yeah. this, this new horizon? Yeah, that's critically important is uh, when, you're, when you're trying to do what we're trying to do, you can't succeed alone. Uh, so uh, we are, uh, we've actually just recently formalized our partnership program. Uh, we were doing it kind of informally uh, previously, uh, but we're already now working with uh, many of the uh, major consultancy firms uh, in the world to uh, enable them to uh, productize some of the service offerings and uh, become subject matter experts on this new paradigm uh, and allow organizations to shift from trying to be data-driven, which is impossible unless you drive your data and showing them how to drive their data. That's really what the, the shift is. Um, so that is critical for us, especially as we look to kind of uh, rapidly accelerate uh, awareness and adoption. So if we just did nothing but direct sales, direct marketing, uh, that will grow only so fast. Uh, but leveraging partnerships uh, and get, using those partners to get access to their customers and allowing those partners to unlock new revenue uh, creates truly win-win opportunities. Uh, which will result in a dramatic acceleration to our growth. So we're, we're really just getting started, but that's critical for our success. That's great. Um, I'm sure you've heard of the term data is the new oil. Um, and as the business world's becoming, you know, increasingly more data aware and, you know, structuring new roles, uh, whether it's a data scientist or a data engineer, um, what's your advice to folks that are, looking to get themselves into a career in enterprise data um, and, and uh, you know, progress into that. Right. I'd say the one thing that um, I would suggest is don't fall victim of hype. Uh, so I've, I've been around long enough to see several hype cycles and, uh, you know, all the, the fake news and mass confusion, uh, you know, uh, the big data trend being just one example of that. Uh, and uh, I've seen uh, too many folks kind of fall into that and, and shift their career based on, uh, on these hype cycles and, and suffer as a result of there being growing awareness. Like if we go back even a few years ago, everyone was super hyped up about uh, building out a data lake. It's the panacea. It's going to solve all our problems. And then there's the realization, oh, wait a minute, a data lake is a dumping ground for raw data. That's not going to change really anything other than give us the ability to uh, kind of use that data with advancements in computational power. Uh, but it's not going to change how we build new systems. It's not going to accelerate new projects. It's not going to do any of that. So that's just one example. 
So what I would encourage people to do is really kind of challenge that conventional thinking uh, and actually to take a step back at uh, kind of what is others not doing and anticipate not based on the current trend, but what trend is it inevitable based on the reality. So like for us, uh, we when we were coming uh, kind of out to the market, and there's still an element of that today, everyone's confused where they're focused on we need a copy of data in a central location and then all of a sudden everything's cool uh, without focusing on where the data originates from, which is really what we're doing is we're intercepting where data is created and fixing it at, at that source because that's ultimately how you'll solve the real problem. Uh, but that wasn't conventional. That wasn't a hype cycle that we were following is, is we were looking at the technology, understanding it at a deeper level, and then creating the technology that we believe will be a major hype cycle in the future uh, and one that actually has legs. Uh, so, uh, don't believe the hype. Oh, that's great advice. Um, if you could put up a billboard with anything on it, what would, it, what would it say? Um, from a Cinchy perspective, I would say, uh, welcome to the post app era. <laughs> uh, cause I'm, I'm really excited about that. Awesome.